Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S T-O-L-K-I-E-N and Instagram at Tipples and Tolkien. So cozy up, pour yourself a drink, and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look. And feel. Human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations. Action stations. Set Condition 1 throughout the podcast. Welcome again to Set Condition 1, a Night Shift Radio production. I'm your host, SC1 Actual Caleb, and with me on the CIC is the XO Kitsy. I was hoping I'd come up with something funny to say here, but I didn't, so I'm just going to say hi. You didn't. (laughs) Uh, And of course, as always, the president of the 12 colonies, Andrea. Present. Welcome back. No, president. Oh, now I'm embarrassed. She's a a present president. I... I'm presenting prescience pre- presently <laughs> presently <laughs> present for the present aka a gift for now that's jenny slate i can't pretend like that was me i was going to if you're just joining us this week uh, welcome uh once again as always i suggest that you go back and start at the beginning because uh we are now on episode seven uh, of the 2004 Battlestar Galactica series. And if you're not familiar with the show, we're going to ruin some of it for you. Um, but if you're love, all caught up... I would love to know who the person is who <laughs> has never seen Battlestar Galactica and finds our podcast and goes, I'm going to start with episode seven. You know what? <laughs> we're not here to tell people how to live their lives. We're just here to entertain. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if that's how you want to listen to this podcast, I'm not going to stop you, but we are going to spoil things. So... I would recommend that you have at least watched up until the episode we're talking about today. We will only spoil up through this episode, though, so you can still catch up. Yeah. Uh, and if you've been with us all along, welcome back. Uh, if you're not yet subscribed, give us a subscribe. That way you get those alerts every week uh, when a new episode drops. Uh, and we're making sure to, uh, to, to bring a new one uh, uh, with style every uh, Tuesday. Yeah. Smash so. that like button and don't forget to dangle that little bell. uh all of that said previously on battlestar galactica so we're uh we're picking up in the middle of uh baltar doing some baltaring (laughs) in this episode are we uh, he's baltaring his way through, uh, through the Cylon detector, uh, and he's having himself a little conversation with the, uh, the Cylon six in his head. Uh, and we get really, uh, really theological, like real deep in it, uh, right away, uh, as she starts telling him about, uh, 
or he, he starts, he's looking at uh, cell samples under a microscope and he makes the comment, I don't see the hand of God in here. <laughs> Could I be looking in the wrong place? And he's just like, he goes like, oh, on and on and on about like, you know, there's so many samples and like, you know, surely I'd be able to find God in one of these. And I just love her. She's like, what drives you to blasphemy, Baltar? <laughs> she's having none of his shit. As she's casually <laughs> flipping through a magazine, like. Mm-hmm. And his response, boredom, actually. (laughs) Indeed, every waking hour is spent in what some might say has become my own personal religion, the Church of the Mystic Cylon Detector. (laughs) Such a pretentious twat. I love it. Because, again, like, and this episode does, like, really kind of call it, like, even further into question. But at this point, like, we still don't know what's happening here. We don't know if this is, like, an actual Cylon that somehow infiltrated his brain. We don't know if it's a, a hallucination, if it's something else entirely. Uh, like, but Baltar's living half in the real world, half in this fantasy. Like, him back in his his glorious uh, house in the hills and outside of Caprica City with, I mean... Let's be real. That is a baller view. Right? Oh, yeah. That lake. Like, <laughs> I want I'd that. go there for a weekend. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I would spend a weekend there. I might even move there. Hell. I wouldn't want to live there because it's a little too remote for me, but like, I could definitely, I could get away from it all briefly there. I, I think uh, for me, it all depends on how good the internet connection is. That's fair. If it's, uh, if it's solid, like if I could get like a you know, gigabit internet there, I'd, you'd never see me again. I'd be there all the time. I feel like Baltar has the, the best internet that's possible. Uh, uh, on Caprica, yeah, yeah. Like oh, I'm sure he does. He's not messing around. He's like he's paying whatever it takes to get uh, get the the best quality signal out there in his uh, his lakefront home. Um, but of uh, this this becomes a, a bit of a point of contention between Baltar and the six in his head. Uh, you know where she's you know she's saying like I'm trying to save your soul. Like why can't you just accept God? And he's like. Um, He's like, this is getting a little old. Like, you know, you like, sure, God, he's my God, he's your God, he's our God. Like, it's it's for God's will, whatever. But like, can we maybe try something different? Uh, I love he used the line, "Can we reboot the hard drive?" <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, a nice little reference to her uh, her Cylon nature. Sorry, I'm a little uh, little parched. Go uh, ahead. This being second episode in a row. <laughs> <clears throat> for those sounds of you like following some, along at home, sounds like something a Cylon would say. I mean, that's a good question. Do silence get thirsty? Did we uh, did we cover that already? They get thirsty. They get thirsty. Way, you know. <laughs> I mean, Sharon is thirsty for Boomer. Sharon, no, that's like, nope. Try it again. I mean, Sharon is thirsty for the chief. Well, hold on now. You've introduced a whole new uh, oh god aspect of the show that I had not yet considered. Head cannon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and. As we'll learn even more so in this episode, Six just can't help herself. She's the thirstiest around. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, uh, Galtar, 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 Galtar. We'll just, you know, we'll portmanteau it and save some time. Galtar uh, <laughs> is just real deep in his blasphemy, and Six has had enough of it. And uh, she just, like, basically walks out on him in his, in his fantasy, which is hilarious. Because uh, it's yeah. you know as as far as we know it's his own imagination and like his own imagination has walked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, uh, and then, this is a this is an interesting thing for me because I always took it as he um like that she's the one that takes him to that fantasy. 
so the fact that like she leaves and he's just there by himself like to me it, it almost kind of seems like she left him there and now he can't leave which, which I is know isn't the fact but like that's kind of how I always took it is that like you know she's the one that that takes him there and takes him back so like when he's like looking around for her and it's just like well fuck I'm stuck here now <laughs> and I think he says something right like this is my fantasy and I still something something yeah and he's like I'll just conjure up someone else maybe a brunette this <laughs> yeah, there time there we go Yes, yes, he does. Uh, and there's a, a great moment where, like, he's he's walking around looking for her. He goes to open the bedroom door, and he's making a comment. I'm like, oh, can we dispense with the, the foreplay and get right to it? And he opens the door, and he's back in reality, and there's Duwala. And she's like, what did you say? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, uh, I'm talking to myself. I talk to myself. Hang me. <laughs> this moment of, like, guilty. I do it. Whatever. She's like, ah. Commander would like to see you in the CIC, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> you can tell she's like, I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> she's just, she's kind of over like all of like everyone's shit right now. Yeah, she, you know, between Billy Ray Cylon, Cylon mm-hmm. and uh, Doctor Galtar, <laughs> <laughs> all of the men on Galactica. She's just, she's had enough of it. I really wanted <laughs> him to open the door in his house and have Zwala um, be behind it, but just like Muppet Baby style, like not actually cutting to reality, you know, or, uh, or I guess maybe Wayne's world might be a better reference yeah. when he opens the door and there's the, the trading room with all of the, no. Okay. Um, I mean, all... I got them up at baby's reference. Yes. That was excellent. Oh, yeah. They're good. But, but, uh, they didn't give us well, that. I gotta, I gotta make some sort of Muppet babies reference in the show notes now <laughs> for, uh, for our younger listeners. They I mean, it wouldn't be that far of a stretch because they did do the Muppet Babies used a lot of Star Wars uh, scenes. Mm-hmm. That's true. For some reason. They do. Well, and Indiana Jones and they're very big on. Yeah. It's a very uh, intertextual show. Fuck. I mean, isn't there like some deeper Hollywood connection between like the Jim Henson universe and like the works of like Steven Spielberg and George well, Lucas, not like, not like they're part of a cinematic universe, but like there's like a crossover work well, done between these. Jim Henson made Yoda. Yeah. See, there we go. So. I knew that there was. <laughs> and who voices Yoda? Frank Oz. Okay. So, and Frank Oz is a big time Muppet. Yep. He's a Muppet. <laughs> he is a Muppet. Himself. He's literally a Muppet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh. uh, guys. Is... <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Guys has been summoned to the CIC, and uh, in he walks, and he sees Six standing there. And he's like, "Oh, good. So, so now you're here." And she's like, "Excuse me," <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, whatever." Uh, and um, the uh, the commander is like, "Miss Godfrey here has brought some very disturbing accusations against you." And he's like, "Okay, where is she?" And Ty's like, "She's she's standing right next to you." And he's like, "Wait, you can." They can see you can see her, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, with this yes, guy? we can see her. She's standing right next to you. <laughs> that is a, just like this great moment where guys is like realizing that this person he's been seeing in his head that no one else can see is suddenly physically here, and he doesn't know what to make of it. And she, of course, doesn't doesn't seem to know uh, him in the same way that he knows her. Uh, she's. Uh, She's here in the, the form of a, uh, uh, what is it, Shelley Godfrey, I think? Shelley Godfrey. Shelley Godfrey. Uh, and Shelley Godfrey claims to have worked with, uh, with Dr. Uh, Amarak, uh, who we, we know lost uh, his life tragically on the, uh, 
the Olympic carrier, uh, right? Olympic carrier. I'm getting yep. the show that the the ship's name is mixed up again. I almost said Astro Queen, uh, and she was a, a lowly systems analyst, in which you know I can relate. <laughs> Can't we all? <laughs> and, no. uh, she she claims to have uh, information proof even uh, that. Baltar was directly involved with the, the sabotage of the colonial defenses that led up to the, the Cylon attack. And, you know, like, Baltar's in the thick of it. Uh, but I will say that right here and now, uh, Baltar could have put a stop to this by simply saying, yes, I knew this woman on Caprica, and I know her to be dead. She's clearly a Cylon. Take her away. But he doesn't do that. His he- inability to act appropriately under pressure is almost impressive. He it's, it's staggering. Cannot get it together. And they've been it's been weeks now. Like it was day 20 what on on a uh, Caprica 28 day? I think something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, we're a month into whatever's happening and he still hasn't like I don't I'm just disappointed in his inability to adapt. And I love that this is also kind of a, a direct carryover from the threat during 33, where like we had this like ominous looming threat of Dr. Amarak is going to show up and he's got this evidence that, you know, he needs to report directly to the president. Uh, but Gaius repents and suddenly the, you know, the ship is, is missing and that threat is gone. And then here again, like he's blaspheming and six is like, mm, you're not going to like what happens. And then suddenly there's a sex claiming to be someone who knew Dr. Amarak who has this proof. And like, they keep like bringing like Baltar right to the edge. And like, there's like, whatever's happening with the silent plan, whether the six in his head is part of it or not. Like it's, it's hard to say for sure at this point, but like, they're very much like toying with, with Baltar mm-hmm. and seeing how he'll react. And when, like when he doesn't react the way that they want to, they, uh, they provide consequences, very real consequences. And so Shelley has this disc, which I love. It's a fucking disc. Uh, Octagonal. Which it's like, I, I think that the disc might be put potentially a, a circular disc as we know them, but the case is definitely octagonal. As no, the disc everything. itself is an octagon. Is the disc? Yeah. Okay. It's because an unnecessary octagon. Fucking, of course it is. Like, that's, so that's definitely a really practical way of making storage media that doesn't matter um <laughs> but she claims to have uh, this proof that that was given to her so they they uh load it into the computer as one does and it's a, a single photograph uh oh no i guess a series maybe a series of photographs uh from the caprica city uh security mainframe because uh, i guess just the whole planet or whole city has a, a defensive mainframe like you do. I don't yeah, know. I don't know how, how many that, friends That's are. how it's done. It's a I guess that's state. how it's done. And there's a, a photo of a man who bears a, a striking resemblance to the back of Baltar's head. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, well, like, that's not me. I mean, okay, so that's someone who kind of looks like me. And even Dom is like, yeah, that's not really proof. He's like, I see and a man of similar size and build, but, you know. And this, this man is holding what appears to be an explosive device, and Shelley makes the claim that you know the, the mainframe was destroyed in an explosion just before the Cylon attack. Uh, so this is all very convenient for her. Uh, and when they they say like this isn't proof, like this this photo shows nothing. She's like, but if you look, like there's a reflection <laughs> in the glass. Like, but you you can enlarge and enhance that. And first of all, no, you can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
It's time for uh, IT pet peeve corner. Because <laughs> holy fuck, this, it's not, that is not how it works. Yes, you can enlarge it. You can enlarge anything you want. You can make it as big as you want. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> You cannot enhance <laughs> it. You cannot create information where there is none. It's not possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm very... And here's the thing, right? I can accept that humanity has spaceships and that they have made Cylons, that they're having a space war and all that. But this just is one of those things that, like, whenever I see this in a show, it sucks me right out of the fiction because I'm like, That's, you can't do that. It's not how that works. It's funny in Super Troopers, but like it doesn't play here. Yeah, and Super Troopers, I I, I take it because it's a comedy, and they they you know make it out you know enhance enhance. <laughs> oh, just print the damn thing. <laughs> but yeah, like, come on, Battlestar Galactica, you're better than that. You could have come up with a hundred different ways to do this. That's not just like some bullshit enhance thing, but. I digress. Well, and it's funny because it doesn't like that scene to begin with was comical to me because it, it reminded me of uh, Ty with a you can't drink salt water. Right. That's why I, <laughs> that's why you we tested the ice. Salt water. Just flipped the paper over where it was like, you can't do this. But and she's like, well, yes, but blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, but you can't do that. And she's like, well, yes, but blah, blah, blah. Like it's there's something comical mm-hmm. in that back and forth anyway. And it also doesn't matter. Right. It's another one of those instances where it's very easy to. um uh, drum up suspicion of a person in the situation that they're in now because um, I don't know if anybody knows this. This is something I've been paying really close attention um, and something I've I've noticed is that the Cylons look like us now. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> no, I was, I was oh. just joshing. <laughs> That's good. Because that, that'd be fucking scary. Then any one of us could be a Cylon. That's true. Yeah. How do we know we're not? I think about that a lot. What now. if we're all Cylons? You think about the possibility of like one of us actually being a mm-hmm. Cylon? I mean, that's like, fair. How would we know? Yeah, how would we know? We wouldn't. Or would we? We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> there's there's an important thing we have to bring up, otherwise Andrea's gonna cry. <laughs> oh please. Can we talk about Shelly Godfrey's glasses? <laughs> Let's, let's talk about Shelly Godfrey's glasses. I happened to look away to make a note. So the way it played out the first time for me, and yeah, we did have to watch it more than once because it was so delightful, is she was looking at the screen, no glasses. I looked down to write a note. And when I looked back up, she <laughs> magically had these glasses on her face um, so that she could, uh, I don't know, prove See sci- better. Be, be science. Like, it, I don't know what it, it just, God, that was so... At one point, I feel like she has them on simply to take them off. Yeah, exactly. To like to really emphasize her point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as I just did just now. Well, even just the like, cause we had to go. I had to go back because like I feel like the, her putting them on is very so funny. Very much of a thing too. So like I made Andrew like, okay, watch. We gotta we gotta watch this one again, and um, just her like, like she puts the glasses on. No, but if you look in the reflection, like, <laughs> and it's just so I get, so good. This is, uh, we talked last week about uh, Trisha Helfer's range in playing the sixth character. Mm-hmm. And I think this adds just another layer to that because mm-hmm. we've seen her, so you know, the, the seductress, the, the thirst trap. We've seen her as the like 
fighter mm-hmm. uh, in the way that she like brutalizes the Sharon uh, on Caprica to you know to fool Hilo, and here we have her playing a different character entirely and just like straight facing it, like you know I'm just this you know this lowly systems analyst that you know, like no one knew me, but like I'm here with this important information and I'm going to take you down, uh, and like. You know, Gaius is trying hard to make her crack to like to prove that like she's not who she says she is, but she's just like, I, like, what are you doing? Leave me alone! Like, you're you're a terrible man. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Don't touch me, you like, creep! Like <laughs> later on, like he corners her in a bathroom stall, and she's like, "Go away!" <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a scene. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, but Andrew, you mentioned. Uh, exactly what happens here that that like it creates suspicion just by accusing him and like word spreads fast like mm-hmm. uh suddenly throughout the the fleet like people believe that Baltar was a traitor that uh I mean he was but uh, <laughs> they don't know that uh I and... keep forgetting that he's an unintentional traitor he's just like uh he's just so bad at not seeming suspicious all the time <laughs> that it, I forgot until this episode that it was just because he was he was stupid um that well he, he was horny let's let's I mean, let's pay, let's call a spade a spade <laughs> he he did it because he couldn't keep his flies in yeah I mean those are shades of of the same thing I would argue okay um, yeah, you're but, not uh, wrong um I think maybe you have to be a little bit of so, both to, sometimes Sometimes horny makes stupid. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. There you go. Yes. Um, Not always the other way around. But. <laughs> and so he, yeah, he just, I think he's almost forgotten. Like, I know that it doesn't matter to them whether really, like, he fucked up doing something he shouldn't have and it had huge repercussions, but... Yeah, that is an important I, thing to remember, though, is that he didn't set out to be like, ha ha, I'm going to fuck humanity. It was just like he got played as a pawn mm-hmm. and then suddenly, oh, shit, yeah. has this realization that yeah. like, oh, I fucked up real bad. Yeah. But, you know, so because we, he's so concerned about his own reputation to him, it's it would be just as bad for people to find out that he got played and and fucked up. Uh, you know, to him, that's that would be just as bad as finding out he did it on purpose. Right. With his massive sense of self-preservation and his, like, <laughs> attempts to spin everything, whether he's good at it or not, uh, it leaves me wondering, like, does he genuinely believe that he wasn't actually to blame? Uh, or does he, you know, he accepts responsibility, but he's not going to accept responsibility. <laughs> like, he knows that he fucked up, but, like, he's not going to let anyone know. Uh, or does he genuinely think, like, I did nothing wrong? I think deep down in his heart, he knows he fucked up and he did something wrong, but I don't think he would ever admit it. And I think no. he would he would find any way to spin it possible that it was someone else's fault. You know, he's, uh, you know, a much much in the way a uh, like a narcissistic abuser would uh, would do. Like he just mm-hmm. that's who he is as a person. Meanwhile, now everyone's looking at him and they're like, "I can't stand it. I know you planned it." <laughs> I'm going to set it straight, this Watergate. <laughs> uh, and so the, the, the stage is set for, you know, Baltar the traitor, like being tried in, in the court of public opinion uh, and having to, uh, to, to figure out how to, to, to save himself. 
But meanwhile, we sidestep over to the, the hangar bay where the uh, our, our lovable deck crew is trying their damnedest to figure out this silent raider that Starbuck brought home with her uh, <laughs> on her last outing. I don't know. It just followed me home like a puppy dog. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the, the chief is going at this from the, the sense of a mechanic. He's trying to figure out what makes this thing work. Uh, and... Uh, we learn later that, that that might not be the right approach. That you know, we know from Starbucks' experience that this actually is somewhat organic. So maybe treating it like a machine isn't the right thing. Like maybe you have to, maybe you have to think of it as a as a being. Mm-hmm. And Sharon even comes and points that out to the chief. You know, she she has this this weird moment of like petting it and saying like maybe it's more like a pet. You know, and like. Like, you know, at one point I even turned to Andrea and I was like, is she about to fuck this raider? Like, what's <laughs> happening? I just, like, she, she talks about, like, you know, it's it's not a thing. Like, it's more like, a, more like an animal. Uh, and like you said, like, it's, it's more like a pet. And he's just looking at her like, okay. <laughs> How you treat your pets, but, uh. You, like, I, I mean, first of all, I didn't know that we were talking still. And mm-hmm. second of all, like, the fuck has happened to your mind? Um. <laughs> And like it's it's weird because again like I, I I will say that I think later on in this episode is where like the the cracks start to show even more but I still think to this point like she's uh, she's either unaware or is full on in denial uh, of who she is but like part of her nature can't help but come out because I think that I think the Sharon model is a very like empathetic and very like passionate. Mm-hmm model of Cylon and I think like she exhibits that towards this raider and when like everyone is like you know trying to reverse engineer it and pick it apart mm-hmm. like a machine and she's like no it's a living thing and uh I'm curious how, how that will play out for for her character um but uh Starbuck is is uh, still recovering she's not uh, she's not up on her feet so she can't help them out just yet does so Lee's messing around with um, Starbuck Which and kind of like heckling her. He's got her great. crutches and he calls them something. <laughs> I don't remember what. Your but. crutches of death, sir. Use them wisely. <laughs> but, he is fucking with her bad. I love. <laughs> but so Coddle doesn't. So this is me being way way uh, conspiracy theory. Lee is a Cylon. Um, but does Coddle address him at all? Address, address Lee, Lee? Uh-huh. in that scene. No, they're both giving it to Starbuck. But they like, never... neither one of them is, is is being nice to her at all. But they don't talk to each other at all. No, no. So I don't it's think so. quite possible that Lee is in Starbuck's head. Interesting. Theoretically, um, I don't I don't think so. But that's a good point. Um, it's, he definitely could be. I need more. Um, information about how uh six are sort of the brain head whatever six um is operating if that's a cylon feature or um though we do think that's hmm huh i'm gonna yeah i still think the possibility of lee being a cylon is very high this is not um irrefutable 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 Proof? I mean, your pronunciation was correct. Which I just one? Don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, You're the one with the degree in words. You tell us. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm not a prescriptivist. So is that, that's I not just, one of the words you have a degree in, is, is it? No, I've never um, gotten, yeah, say. That's, mm. Even with a degree, words are hard. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Um, 
but aside from that, that scene is um, Starbuck is so reticent. There's one um, to get better and get out. And I am. I wonder, like, is she still like having those lingering doubts about herself that like cause her to end up in this situation to begin with? Is she a little bit uh, kind of shell shocked by this whole experience or is it literally just like, the pain's really bad and she just doesn't want to deal with it just yet. Um, I think it's probably a little of both, but mostly the pain. Yeah. And like, you know, she, uh, from, from the impression that we get from the doctor, from Lee and from later from Colonel Ty, like she's been, uh, she's been bedridden for longer than they think that she should be. Uh, mm-hmm. which I guess could also be a, a good, uh, BSG universe example of uh, men not taking women's pain seriously. Mm-hmm. She might generally Preach. be in debilitating pain and, and not able to, uh, you know, just magically heal herself. Mm-hmm. That's a good call out. <laughs> but uh, you know, Lee at one point is like, uh, she's, she's like, uh, you don't care. He's like, I don't care because your pain is my entertainment. <laughs> uh, entertainment. Um, yeah. And, you know, she Didn't tells realize doctor, Lee was a sadist. Yeah, she tells the doctor like she you know, just I you know, just want to stay here. Just give me you know more pain meds, and he's like, can't need them for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. He should lose his license. It's a shame there's only one doctor left. Like <laughs> he's really a terrible doctor. Just the worst doctor. <laughs> okay, I would argue he's a fantastic doctor. He just has real shit bedside manner and doesn't care. I guess I haven't seen him heal anybody, though. I mean, he fixed Starbuck up. Well, I mean, maybe. You know. Who's to say that the reason she's not getting any better isn't because... Because he's fucked up the knee surgery or whatever? Yeah, bad at his job. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm going to say that if he is bad at his job, a lot more people would die. I'll allow it. I mean, a lot of the people that uh, see him are already pretty close to it anyway. <laughs> Uh, what yeah. with all the explosions uh, and the fires and whatnot. They, sh- they should probably get those under control, huh? They, should, they really should stop having so many explosions on their spaceship. So we cut uh, immediately from Coddle and Lee uh, doing everything but coddling uh, <laughs> Starbuck. <laughs> and, Holy shit, I never made that connection before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we see uh, the, the president having a conversation with Baltar over the 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 phones uh and he's like you know can i can i come back i like i left some stuff on colonial one and like you know i think that that, like this shelly godfrey like she's out to get me and like i gotta get away and (sighs) rosin's like ah sorry you're on a no fly list (laughs) the classic i left some things at your apartment Uh can i come over (laughs) (laughs) and like this is like Baltar like starts to say, you know, I have reason to believe that she may be a Cylon, and then like the line is dead, and he's like, "What, Madam President? Hello!" And we cut to a scene in uh, a Colonial One where the president has collapsed on her desk, and Billy's immediately radioing for for the doctor. I think it's pretty clear at this point that Billy Ray Cylon killed the president. Was my first thought that but, he poisoned her? But we'll find out. So- um, Ellen turned to me and said, Andrew's going to say that Billy's Billy poisoned her. <laughs> yeah, good. So, so she's thinking too. 10 points to Ellen. Yep. These two of us have po- some sense in this 10 podcast. 10 points to Ellen door. <laughs> uh, 
That was very good. uh, On that prediction, not knowing the fate of the president. uh, (laughs) We've got multiple Doritos contacts. We're going to go ahead and jump to a safer location. Uh, Please listen to this ad from our sponsor this week while we do so, and we'll make sure you get the correct jump coordinates and meet up with you at the other end of the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition One as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Uh, our jump was successful. Are all of our listeners still with us? Everyone's accounted for. That's good. We can continue. Reset the clock. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Shit, we jumped back into the first episode. <laughs> we're watching something recently, and they were, they were discussing uh, the significance of the number 33 in like religious iconography. And Alan was like, isn't like wasn't that the the like the jump timer like the clock that they had yeah. to set in that episode and like yeah it is and now I kind of wonder if that uh, has some have some significance there. Well, I have I have brought this up before that there's a lot of Mormon themes in the whole the, like twelve colonies of Kobol lore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that's part of it or if it's, it's just a happy coincidence. And it's also someday, Larry Bird's jersey. He's the great Larry Bird jersey, 33. That's definitely what it's about. I only know that from LFO's song, Summer Girls, though. I don't want the audience to <laughs> think that. So let me, let me get this straight. You didn't want people to think that you were into basketball? Is that what Larry Bird does? Yes. Um, yes. yes. But, Sorry, I didn't but, realize you were actually asking that. But you were... <laughs> I was legitimately asking that, uh, but you were totally fine with everyone knowing that you know all the words to LFO's Summer Girls. I didn't say I know all the words. I do, to be clear. I do know all the words, but I didn't say that. <laughs> she just didn't say yeah. it. And yes. I think it was implied. And yes. Oh, Correct. It's impressive. Okay, we can continue. Well, because it's true, so I don't want to lie to our listeners. I don't know much about so, basketball. I do know a lot about so LFO. Really, there's some, some deep... Uh, Larry Bird LFO conspiracy connections to the Battlestar Galactica lore. <laughs> Don't get me started. Well, wait, so hold on. Does the L in LFO stand for Larry Bird? It stands for light. The F stands for funky. And the O stands for ones. Uh, I was light, thinking it, funky uh, ones. I should have made you guess. I was thinking the L stood for lost. <laughs> oh. Which takes us deeper into the hole. <laughs> stands for lost from now on. There's a little. <laughs> But just before the break, we uh, talked about the, the sudden uh, collapse of the president and theories of what might have happened to her. 
but we learned fairly quickly what actually did. Yeah, so she took triple the dose of whatever she's taking. Um, does she say? She does say, yeah, okay. Um, she also does the suspicious cough that you can never trust um, to mean anything other than imminent death um, <laughs> in the scene. Like, they, she coughs a little bit, it cuts to Gaius, um, and then the line goes dead, and then she's passed out. Um, and Billy Ray Cylon had something to do with it. I just I haven't figured out what yet. I love the interaction when, when the doctor shows up and he's, he's holding up her pill bottle. He's like, how many of these did you take, young lady? <laughs> and he says, one, two, and she nods. He's like, two. And then he, like, she kind of like, has a look at her face. He's like, three. Three times the dosage. <laughs> Must work three times as fast then, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be their own doctor. <laughs> Just, like, I love the, like, two. Yeah, definitely two. Oh, fuck, it was three, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, because she, she's like two, and he stares at her like, really? And she's like, three. <laughs> like, you caught me. <laughs> like, he knows she's full of shit. What is and, she uh, he is, He's so no-nonsense. I love him. And he also, like, took the time to put on his actual, like, colonial uniform to go over there, which I thought was hilarious. Well, you know, the president's collapsed. I might as well get dressed up just in case it's a funeral. God. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's so weird because usually you just see him like kind of in like civilian clothes with his uh, his like lab coat on uh just kind of lounging with a cigarette <laughs> um but like suddenly he shows up in his uniform and it's kind of off-putting it's like oh i forgot that he's like he's actually like a major or something like that like he has a rank yeah <laughs> i wasn't sure it was him for a second um it was so uh out of character for him to he- be he looks a little too put together, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until they started the back and forth with the, the pills that I was like, oh, right, right. It's Cottle. <laughs> oh, shit. The president needs me. I better put clothes on. <laughs> I should I'm probably take he was, a shower. He was, he was just making sure he's ready if there was a funeral. Because, I mean, how much would it suck, right? Think about being Dr. Cottle. He flew all the way from the Galactic Colonial One, finds out the president's dead, and goes, fuck, now I got to go back and get my uniform, and I got to come back again for the funeral. Like, he just doesn't have time for that shit. He's got lives to save. And pills to take. And cigarettes to smoke. That actually brings me to to a point that I that I missed uh, at the beginning of this uh, is the intro to this episode is this like crazy like zoom in shot from like this way far back wide angle view of the entire fleet and it zooms 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 zoom, zoom, like straight into the Galactica uh, which I thought was a kind of a, a neat effect uh, but it also made me pause for a moment and think about like how much space would have to be between each of these ships for them to travel like safely uh, in such a tight formation yeah. And, like, yeah, when you say you had to fly all the way from the Galactica to the Colonial One, even though, like, those ships are probably always, like, among the closest together, like, that's still not a short distance. Well, it's also, like, you know, when you think about all the prep you have to go through, like, the flight to the flight between the ships is probably shorter than it does to to get on the shuttle and put your seatbelt on and listen to the pre-flight announcements and watch a little training video and (laughs) get your peanuts um, and then you fly over and then you got to go through the whole thing in reverse. So like, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it, the, the flight itself probably isn't that long, but the process to get from point A to point B probably takes a little while. 
It just made me picture crash down having to do the, the pre, pre-flight instructions for a crew on a rafter. Oh, the <laughs> they're like, with the oxygen mask, miming, putting it on, and, you know. But it's an octagon. <laughs> oxygen mask is an octagon. You can't make good Ox- seals totally would be. Oxygen. 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 There's Octogen. Octogen. There right it there. is. God uh, damn it. It was right there in front of the you. The problem, Caleb, is every time you make a portmanteau, that adds one, that that puts me like negative. So I have to come up with even more to get to my quota. All right. Well, you know, work harder. I'm trying. I'm where's, trying. Where's this quota? Who's who's sending this quota? It's the producers of our show. Those fuckers got it. Yeah. They have a very strict portmanteau <laughs> quota. We all have quotas for for things that we have to do every show. I'm surprised y'all don't take yours more seriously because we're gonna get fired if we don't keep those up. Should I, be, listen, should I be? I just don't brag about mine from the boss. They're just they're gonna cancel our show. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing Michael sending us all sternly worded emails <laughs> about not making specific quotas. <laughs> hey. Uh, last week's episode, I got some very specific notes about editing that, <laughs> he, didn't, that he did not like. So that's true. That's true. That was that was excellent feedback. Uh, so Billy comes in with the, uh, the the unpleasant news that the entire fleet now knows that the president has collapsed, uh, and uh, of course it's it's his fault for broadcasting it over the uh, the fleet wide wireless signal. Uh, hey, somebody get the doctor. The president's collapsed. Really yep. Baltard that one. He totally pulled Well, he even he even says like you know I apologize, Madam President. I panicked. You collapsed. I didn't know what to do. And I just I love her so much because her response is it's okay. We're all new at this. Yes. Like oh, and what an she's angel. Like, you know, just just get me on my feet and in front of the press before the end of the day. She's like, we just gotta we gotta get out ahead of this story. We gotta get the this under control. Like she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like this was never something she foresaw herself like doing she never expected to be the president much less a wartime president in like uh, a refugee crisis but like god damn it she isn't good at it oh yeah but we're back on uh back on the galactica and i mentioned earlier that uh that six ba- can't help ourselves back galactica <laughs> back back galactica is that anything i mean i'll, I'll give it to you it's thank fine. you we have to move on we do <laughs> Uh, six can't help herself. Six is going to six, uh, no matter what she's doing. <laughs> and she's, she's sitting and having a, a drink with, with the commander. And you know, he's saying like, you know, let's be honest here. Like your story is a bit convenient. Like you just happen to have this evidence that Emmerich just happened to give you. And like, why did he give it to you? She's like, we were friends. And so, of course <laughs> she's like, then all of a sudden, like a switch flips, and like she like takes off the glasses and like <laughs> leans in close, and she's like, "There must be times when, when you feel alone, when the thought of another body next to yours seems like something of a dream." And like she kisses him on the on the cheek, and, <laughs> and he's just like, "The fuck!" <laughs> and like as soon as she leaves, he gets on the the phone to uh, to tie in the CIC. He's like. Do not, under any circumstances, allow her to leave this ship. Put her under surveillance. <laughs> like he sees right through her. Oh yeah, like, she absolutely like she may have pulled this off. She absolutely fucked up trying to trying to uh, mm-hmm. trying to stick Sadama. I will say that it is not lost on me that no? uh, her model is six, and that is one letter away from sex, and that seems to be her primary objective and/or weapon. 
She's just a very sexual creature. <laughs> I'm really conflicted at, my, at the fact that I laughed at that. I, yeah, I'm not sure what to... I, I can't... I'm like... Again, I, am I proud of you or mad at you right now? I think it's a little of both. It's almost like Adama's oh. lips are the Cylon detector, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone in the fleet, line up to kiss the commander. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that, god uh, he, would be, he would hate that so much <laughs> also think about how sick he would get him just very perfunctly just like Lee. <laughs> it's the only way we can find out for sure maybe starbuck is also a cylon detector though there's only i can only think of one way to find out for for sure and it's also in my only fans you, you, uh, you want to make out you, with starbuck i'm just saying if we're trying to find out who the Cylons are, we need to examine all possible angles. Well, in particular, we need to examine the angle from the back so we can see their glowing spine. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. Yes. <laughs> That's the Cylon detector right there. You just have sex with them. Well, no, you don't just have sex with them because plenty of people are and not... So, yes. so lots of people are not looking at their Cylon spines when they're fucking... So, so here, here's like, the thing. That's the problem. Here's the thing. Yeah. It, it's it's pretty heavily implied that uh, in in the before times, uh, Gaius Baltar and the version of Six that was on Caprica with him, uh, they got down quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. very heavily implied. Uh, it's also uh, pretty heavily implied that uh, Boomer and the Chief, uh, for a long time, were getting busy. Do you think this is just a universe where they haven't figured uh, so, out? Like, that's what I'm getting at. Is like, do you mean to tell me? That in Battlestar Galactica, people always have sex facing each other, a hundred percent of the time. That sounds horrifying. Because eye to eye always. I don't believe that that's the case universe wide. I do think that that is situationally appropriate for these these two. Uh, Six is like is portrayed as this like seductress, and she's oh she's like, very much of, a top. Don't, like, she's she's yeah. controlling the situation, so she's like always like almost always on top, uh, or like always facing him to like kind of keep his passions focused. Uh, and she obviously knows exactly who she is and what she's doing. Uh, with the chief and Boomer, they're always in these like you know kind of stolen moments and like you know a supply closet and whatnot. So it's these mm-hmm. like these these quickies where like you're up on the 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 shelf or whatever like uh, I don't I'm just I'm just saying you 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 mean to tell me that that the chief never just like bent boomer over the the okay. the raptor wing and like just had at it the like come raptor on raptor wing on the deck yeah right there on the deck you have been reading my only <laughs> wow Can I just is it hot in here like I'm just saying like <laughs> I find it very hard to believe also. I'd like to know why their spines glow when they have sex, because here's the thing. There's there's one of two possibilities in my mind. The first possibility is that the Cylons designed themselves that way on purpose, which why? What's the point of that? Uh, The second possibility is that that's a side effect that they were unable to get rid of, uh, which I think is probably more likely. What if they don't know because no Cylon has ever had sex like any other way but facing each other? It is so funny to me to 
consider the possibility that nobody's ever considered it, that that just is something that didn't get along with the wheel. There are two things that, that differentiate this universe from our own. They never made the wheel and they never did doggy. Yep. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Shirt right now. Wait, 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 wait. Did we did we talk about how they never invented the wheel on this podcast yet? Or is that just you and me earlier? I can't remember which one it was. No, that was last episode. Okay, all right. This is I mean, I guess at this point, uh, we don't know if that made the uh, the editing cut. Well now we it has to. <laughs> um but yeah, like I just I can't I, come on. No one no one's doing it doggy in the in in the Cylon averse. Maybe maybe Cylons just aren't aren't down that way. That's just not how they roll. That's, and you know what? That's the We're other not here thing. To, that's the only differentiates from humans. They just can't bend that way. Oh, that's possible. We're not here to yuck their yum. That's that's a really good point. You're right. <laughs> you're you're not wrong, Caleb. <laughs> they're we're happy. Not, I'm happy. We're not here to yuck their yum, and they can have sex however they want. You know, I'm not here to tell them what to do. I'm just I just think it's suspicious that no one has done it. It and also, been like, what the fuck's going on with your giant glowing spine? Or, or, and I do think it's important that we spend all this time talking about this. Um, not enough people are. But um, or, yeah, I googled. Not enough people are. Or at some point, your parent Cylons have to have the talk with you, which is just if you're gonna fuck a human, don't ever, ever <laughs> let them see your back. <laughs> Can you imagine Cylons having to have the talk? Oh, mm-hmm. that'd be weird. Like a new copy comes online, <laughs> and like, and then that begs the question: like, does a different model give you the talk, or does your own model give you the talk? I don't know if Six could be trusted to to steer herself <laughs> correctly. Yeah, no. Oh God. Uh, so Gata is able to uh, to enhance and uh, enlarge the. <laughs> The photo, and sure enough, it's clear as day. Guys, Baltar's face, uh, and that's that's damning evidence. And uh, you know, Baltar sees it, and he tries to uh, tries everything he can. He can't uh, he can't erase the disc. Well, he pulls uh, the classic, um, like I'm going to pull the fire alarm to cause a distraction to get yes. Gata out of the lab and he, cause some uh, confusion. He tries to unsuccessfully to erase the disc. He tries to uh, pull the plug and manages to only unplug one monitor, and the, uh, the, the photo is still plastered on the other. I also uh, love that, like, what does he think unplugging the monitor is going to do? Like, that's not going to get rid of the evidence. It's just going to make it hard to see for, like, ten seconds till they plug the monitor back in. He's a scientist. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He's, he's supposedly, like, a, a pretty, uh, like... High level genius and like don't don't computer good apparently. <laughs> well, I was gonna say he has a PhD. He should know better. But I've actually done IT support for people who have PhDs, and no, that's pretty much on par with their understanding of how computers work. More like PhD. That's fair. Which okay, <laughs> PhD don't. But then again, he 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 is a, a doctor of like robotics and AI and computers. So no, I, I I'm coming back around on this. He should know better. Yeah, I don't buy that even panicked Baltar doesn't know how computers work. Uh, unless, like, he's, <laughs> he's so, like, uh, studied up, but only on, like, the most modern computers and doesn't know how Galactica's, like, uh, <laughs> fucking uh, performas uh, are running. <laughs> yeah. That actually, you know what? Know. That might actually make sense. Like, that, it, yeah. It'd be like you and I trying to fix, like, an old Amiga or something. Like, yeah. what the fuck do we do with this? <laughs> Uh, Scuzzy port. Course, what the hell is that? Yeah, 
Uh, just as he's trying, about to smash the uh, the other monitor again. What's that going to do? But uh, with, a, with a bar stool, uh, yeah. The um, the colonel and the commander walk in, and uh, of course, this uh, this looks real bad for for a boy got. Uh, <laughs> Baltar, uh, trying to destroy the very obvious evidence of uh, his guilt right here. So he's thrown in the gi- the, in the brig uh, with uh, the understanding that he is a, a traitor and will probably be executed. Uh, and we see a, a, a deep moment of penitence from, from Baltar that actually seems like it might be genuine. Mm-hmm. He started this episode like openly blaspheming, and now he <laughs> has this moment of like, you can tell he starts to pray when he says, we don't talk much, but. <laughs> no atheists in foxholes is. Yeah, exactly. Which say. just, which is, is further cements how self-serving he is, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's only turning to God and religion because it's going to benefit him or, or like he has no other option left, right? Like, you know, he, he legit only cares about this because he thinks it's his last option. We missed mm-hmm. something really important. Yes, we did. Um, and it's the bathroom scene mm-hmm. with Gaeta and Baltar. <laughs> we mentioned it earlier, but yes, please. We need to talk about it some more. So there's, I mean, an extended scene of the two of them whispering back and forth um, at each other. So while they're pooping. Just full ASMR. Well, I, Gaeta's pooping. I think Gaius just went in there just to talk to Gaeta. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is, it's so, it is such a, like, silly kind of broad like austin powers type moment <laughs> like the only thing missing would are, are the sound effects you know but it's mm-hmm. still um and and then there's the the interaction where he as as we mentioned earlier goes in after godfrey yeah um, like uh gata leaves uh very quickly and guy you didn't wash your hands <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's so silly but but he has this confrontation with shelly godfrey aka six uh in the bathroom where he kind of busts in on her bathroom stall. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? You goddamn creep. Get away from me. Uh, and he kind of goes off on her and is like, you know, let's pretend for a second. You're not the woman I see everywhere and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, but like basically calls her out and says like, you are a Cylon. Uh, you know, I know you're a Cylon. And she's like, get out. And he's like, oh, struck a nerve. Have I? And kind of goes off on this rant loudly in the bathroom to no one and, and just yells, no more Mr. Nice Gaius. <laughs> <laughs> Which at that moment, a Marine has walked in <laughs> and is looking at him like, the fuck is this guy doing? And he's just like, and Gaius is just like, women, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looking at him like, I don't think you are right. <laughs> How did that happen in right the writer's room? Though? That's what I really... I feel like that's one of those jokes that like they put in to say, like, you know, let's see how far we can get before this gets cut. And it somehow made it Just all made the it. way on the air. They're watching it. They're like, did... You remembered, right? You remembered to cut the no more Mr. B- nice guy line? Yeah. You did, right? That was your job. Yeah, you yeah, cut yeah. It? No, okay, totally, cool, totally, cool. totally. Yeah, for sure. So Gaius is having his uh, his come to God moment in the brig. Uh, you know, he's He's... He's repenting himself something fierce, uh, and in walks Gaeta, and turns out the photo was a fake. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was an obvious fake. Like he 
He went back and uh, re-ran the security checks or whatever the fuck he says. And, uh, yeah, he literally says, I, I went back, I re-ran all the security checks. I thought I just made that up, but that's actually in the script. Mm-hmm. That's what he says, yeah. Uh, this time I found markers which uh, pointed to photo manipulation. You uh, tell by a couple of pixels that it had been Photoshopped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also and love that like, he's like, uh, he says something to the effect of like, it was only apparent after the image had been fully rendered or whatever, and then makes this little like, duh, of course, I'm so silly. <laughs> Silly Gata. Yep. Yeah. Ugh, classic Gata. Baltar is, is free. He's been exonerated. The the president holds another uh, press conference uh, announcing that. Uh, Six is back, and she's, you know, kind of congratulating him on, on you know, finding God finally. Hmm. Uh, although I think that she's, she's holding back a little bit on that. Um, and Shelley Godfrey's nowhere to be found. She just disappears and of course adama's furious because you know he's like how did she get off this ship and like ty's like got me there's been no ships coming or going he's like i gave you an order he's like i had two marines tailing her they say she went around a corner and she was gone and you know think she's just disappeared so that's like this blows my mind because was that the uh the six and guys's head manifesting to everyone was that actually a Cylon? If so, how did the how did she escape? Like, who was Shelley Godfrey? Yeah, because the glasses, the glasses are still there. They, yeah, They're she left those on the, the CIC, and Donald mm-hmm. even picks them up and is like, hmm. she didn't just disappear. But the thing is, like, that's that's a very good question. How did she escape? Because at least as far as we know, like, they can't just like pop out of existence or like teleport or disintegrate or whatever. No, like something, even if she like committed suicide and got transmitted back to the, the, you know, master Cylon computer or whatever, like her body would still be there. So like what happened? It's weird because like the way she walks out uh, of his fantasy and then is suddenly on the Galactica, like in a, a way that everyone else can see and feel and, and, and touch. Um, and then like suddenly disappears from the Galactica and his back in his fantasy. Like it leaves me thinking that like that was her all along that was like actively doing this. And like, it turns out that she had this whole plan of setting him up to like, to look like a traitor only to then be exonerated and be now more, more trusted and more uh, like lauded as a, a hero than ever before. And Baltar's a little uh, skeptical of that plan, but uh it seems like it it worked, but he does ask her like, was there ever a Shelley Godfrey? Like, did she really exist? And six doesn't answer. Well, six answers by stripping naked and walking up the stairs. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so she, like six heaven. gives uh, her her own very uh, six answer. Mm-hmm. It's a very sexual uh, <laughs> moment. Her, yeah, th- th- that's a very six thing. Like, don't pay attention to that. We're gonna have sex now. Yeah, like I'm gonna distract worry. you with sex. Don't worry about that. So with Dr. Amarak, yes. when they talk about him in this episode, does anybody refer to having known him personally other than Godfrey? I mean, um, Godfrey claims that, that she knows him. Uh, everyone else is aware of him from the, the, that first episode where like, he says that he's coming with, with evidence. And Baltar clearly knows him. Yeah, like, I think that's so. the thing. Baltar seems to, know, like, seems to have known him before the attack. So I think Dr. Amarak at, at least at one point was a real person, 
Um, I don't know if he actually survived the attack and was actually on Colonial One or um, the Olympic carrier, rather. But uh, at one point, at least, Dr. Amrak was an actual person. Yeah, because I know we floated the possibility that he was made up. But yeah, I, I, I don't think he was on the Olympic carrier. I don't think anybody was on the Olympic carrier personally. <laughs> Um, and they they actually kind of they hinted that too they're like you know they, he he said that he he thought the Olympic carrier was infiltrated by Cylons mm-hmm. it was a, a, a quote from Shelley Godfrey mm-hmm. yeah um, I think that Amarak probably was somehow connected with the uh, the Capricorn Defense Ministry uh, and so that's how he would have had some hint that Baltar was involved in the uh, in the betrayal yeah uh, and so that's why he's he's the one that's would be bringing these accusations uh, were he still alive. But Kitsy makes a great point. Like, we don't know that he ever made it off of Caprica. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just someone who was closely associated enough to make Gaius believe that he's in real trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my guess is that that Dr. Amarok never made it off of Caprica, uh, probably never once suspected uh, Gaius of anything. It sounds like they were colleagues and they knew each other pretty well. And I, I don't think, you know, Dr. Amarok ever suspected guys of anything. And I think they like when the Cylons started this whole, like, you know, disinformation campaign against Gaius, like they just picked someone that, that Gaius mm-hmm. would know, would know some shit like mm-hmm. on the back, like, you know, cause they work together in the, de- you know, the defense systems. So like, you know, for, for at least to Gaius, this would be a credible person that could actually say, you know, Hey, he, he was doing some shit and, um, people would believe him. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think they just kind of picked a person. I don't think this Dr. Amarak was ever really involved Actually at all. Player, yeah. Um, and in then, and then in that same, um, vein, uh, I have to think that I have to hope that Godfrey was a real person. Otherwise that, I mean, that name is so on the nose. Um, <laughs> yeah. literally Godfrey. Um, yep. and, uh, well, six is like, yeah, I guess I maybe I could go either way on that, but um, it just is there's the I know I keep saying it, and I know we still don't have enough to go on, but the 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 theology of this show is um it's really fascinating is Godfrey a historical I keep coming back to Gilbert Godfrey, but like was there a historical <laughs> uh figure named Godfrey' Cause, I think back to last episode, Sergeant Hadrian, and all I can ever think about when I hear her name is Hadrian's Wall. Ah. Uh, and so I wonder, like, they these tend to, it feels like they tend to, to lean on uh, history and mm-hmm. mythology, both mm-hmm. when they come up with character names or references. Now I really so. want a reshoot of this episode that's exactly the same, except <laughs> Shelley Godfrey is played by <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey. Yes. And, and no one, like... Acknowledges that fact. <laughs> Dr. Amarak and I were friends. I have evidence that you were. <laughs> Don't you ever feel lonely, Commander? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and then the kiss. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, I love it. Oh my god. <laughs> So with that said, Andrea, <laughs> Andrea, take it away. Thoughts, feelings, opinions, questions. I, I Who's a Cylon? Who's not a Cylon? So many questions. I, I let a lot of my, my theories for this one out as we moved through it. Um, 
there was half a second where I thought Gaius was maybe supposed to be, that we were supposed to suspect that he was a Cylon, and that's why he didn't remember. Um, he was because like, I definitely didn't do that with the bomb. Um, oh, for, so my, like, <laughs> that was my, great. Like a Sharon, uh, like with the bombs thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, um, uh, but then I, I thought that would be too easy, which turns out it was. Um, and that it was just, you know, Godfrey's plan all along. Um, and the, again, Lee still, um, this, ep- I've been, there's something, obviously there's something going on with the God stuff. I, that's, uh, you know, I'm not adding anything there. Six is heavily implying, right, that she herself has some divinity in her, right? I mean, she walks into what looks like, it's like heaven's light at the end. She That's interesting. She's the one who comes to his rescue when he, like, repents. Um, she strongly implies that she is actively doing God's, God's work. work, at least. Yeah. Right. She is, act, like, basically in, interceding on Gaius's behalf to bring him uh, into God's favor. Um, and so that would, if, and I don't think this is the case, because this doesn't feel like that kind of show. Um, this is half Lost Corner. I'm not going to pull it into Lost Corner because I don't want you two jumping on it and insulting <laughs> it. But if this were a show... <laughs> How lo- dare you? <laughs> if this were a show like Lost... Um, the possibility I'm going to float now, I think, is would maybe be more plausible, which is that, like, Six actually has some more supernatural-type powers than adi- other Cylons because—and, like, so, so yes, she was there and did disappear. Um, yes, she can I, be in his fantasy and not—in a way that, like, Boomer somebody um, can't. Um, I won't shit on that theory at all. I think that's actually a really interesting... Uh, that is a very interesting... But I think it implies a real, like, um, when she says, like, my God, um, it implies, like, a real figure, her, or if she's acting on this God's behalf, whatever, um, like, up on a planet somewhere that they go. Now, as we as we learn more about the different Cylon models and their personalities, I'll be interested to see, like, is Six more heavily religious or is her uh, devotion kind of... Uh, consistent among the the various Cylons, like what does that look like? Like, are are all Cylons as so like uh, devoted to God's purpose as uh, as we see Six is, uh, or is even like this particular Six? Uh, is she kind of an aberration in that? So I'll, I'll be really intrigued yeah, to see how that works out. How many apostles? My was I was raised twelve apostles. There's twelve, right? Yeah. Yeah. Twelve's another one of those numbers. Um, mm-hmm. So. Something actually, Caleb, that you you made me think about here is we haven't actually heard any other Cylon or even any other six talk about God yet, I was have just we? Gonna ask that. That's true. Not yet. Yeah. Because the only other Cylon that we hear talk like like openly, uh, consistently is Sharon, and she like is either still thinking or still pretending that she's human, so she still refers to the gods or the lords mm-hmm. uh, of Kobol. Uh, Leoben never mentions, uh, religion at all. He kind of, well, actually, no, he does. Uh, in the, the first scene in the, the Ragnar Anchorage, uh, where he talks about, uh, maybe the Cylons are God's, uh, retribution. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's and, right. Okay. Uh, Adama says, Fuck. like, God didn't make the Cylons, man did, and we didn't put a soul in them, or in the, we didn't put a soul in the programming. Um, so... This monotheistic religion definitely does exist in Cylon culture, uh, but we don't know yet how pervasive that is. 
All the, uh, all Doros taught us is that he he lived in a hamlet outside Caprica City. That's all mm-hmm. we know. And he probably plays tennis in Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> On Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. With Seymour Cylon. Well, and <laughs> Billy Ray Cylon always looks like he's headed to his first communion. Yes, so he does. It's true. I don't oh know my god, that. and that scene where the press is hounding him and he's just like backing away, like the president's fine, just everything's okay. <laughs> the shuts the curtain. Shuts the curtain. <laughs> Poor Billy. Uh, no. One thing we didn't talk about is that Starbuck does finally get out of bed. Yeah. And hobbles her way over to the Raider where uh the chief <laughs> oh, and, and a few others are, are working on. Um Trying to get it's it running. It's important to mention the the reason that she finally gets out of bed is that Colonel Ty tells him tells her that uh, every moment you lay in that bed just proves my opinion of you. Yeah, she's, which is funny because he tries to reverse psychology her uh, at first, and she's like, "Do you really think that reverse psychology bullshit's going to work on me?" And then he follows up with that, and it's like, "Yep, clearly it is." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Because then she gets right up. She's like, "Oh fuck that yeah. guy." Uh, I. I Love the moment where she she climbs up in the radar and like gets it to to power on again, and the chief's just sitting there underneath it. He's like, "Don't shoot anything." <laughs> uh, Not like, "Holy frack, you got this thing working!" Or yeah. like, "How did you do it?" Like, "Oh my god, maybe we should move out of the way." No, don't shoot anything. <laughs> well, I also love when she walks up and is like, "How's it going?" And he's like, "Your new boyfriend's a jerk, sir." <laughs> And Starbuck uh, responds with, it's a girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which uh, now Starbuck is canonically either uh, bisexual or pansexual, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, yeah. That's, I think I think we would have to go with pan because we don't know, we don't really know the, the Cylon Raiders concept of, of gender for itself. I mean, does the gender, bi- like, do they have a gender binary in the Battlestar Galactica universe? Or is there, you know, more of a, they never really address that. It's not addressed no, I think they're they're busy addressing other uh, questions of of personhood and yeah. Uh, yeah, they've got a bunch bigger identity problems on their hands. <laughs> yes, and identity. Uh, but yeah, so Starbuck climbs up in there, and um, they they even say uh, Chief even says there. like something like try you know try treating it like a like a horse or something, and Starbuck's like, what about a goat? You know, I like a goat. <laughs> I love that scene of her talking to herself in the this in the radar. This is stupid. But then she even. Right after she corrects Chief and says it's a she, she then um, refers to to the uh, the raider as a he when she's up inside it. Mm-hmm. Which I wonder if that was a like an editing slash continuity error or if there's bigger implications. She doesn't really there. know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, oh man. And then the 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 <laughs> fucking Chief's line where, where uh, Starbucks says like, oh, it's it's a it's a girl, and Chief's like, well, if you don't mind her goo on your face, you can get up in there and try to. <laughs> She's all yours. You know. Oh, come on, phrasing. Judging us for working a little blue this week, but they brought it to us. We really didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. It's at all. You're not wrong. They painted us into this corner, mm-hmm. and now we've got to tape the edge. I don't know how painting works. We got to just wait for it to dry. Yeah, there we go. The listeners can't see me deflating, but boy, am I feeling it right now. I have they can not, hear you. I have not um, considered the possibility of Starbucks being a Cylon. Um, I think since my first meeting with her, um, and I love her so much. I'm sorry, you had a meeting with Starbucks and you didn't invite <laughs> us? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking rude. I didn't want you cramping my style. Why didn't you invite her to come be a guest on the podcast? Because I want her to think I'm cool. And 
did you hear that thing Caleb said about sexual earlier? And then you said, <laughs> okay, you know what? Lactica. So okay, that's fair. Yeah, but we just said that Sh- Sharon seems to have um, a connection with that uh, Cylon Raider. Mm-hmm. She seems to intuitively know how to get it. How to get its uh, its engine revved up? Yeah, if you will, as it were. <laughs> as she strokes it lovingly. Um, and we suggested that maybe it was because, you know, uh, her Cylon soul, you know, there's whatever their souls are made of. Um, Mm -hmm. and so for Starbuck, it was also pretty easy to get that. I mean, she worked at it when she was on the, on the moon, but still, we don't know what it would have looked like if Tyrrell or somebody had been up there. Well, Tyrrell's also not a pilot. But my point being that... Does she have some kind of connection to the Raider in the same way Sharon does because she's also? That's an excellent point because they, they approach it no. from three completely different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrrell is approaching it as a, a mechanic trying to fix a machine. Sharon uh, is seeing this as like essentially like a beast of burden uh, or like a pet, like a, a, a beloved animal, which raises larger questions about the, the Raider's place in Cylon uh, society, uh, but uh, Starbuck approaches it as as a pilot, and like she understands that it's a living thing, which is how she figures out that she can breathe in there. Uh, but she also like understands that like it flies somehow, so like I can fly anything. I'll make this work, and that's the the reason that like no one else could, at least no one else that's tried, because no one else has really approached it from that perspective of like. I'm the best fucking pilot in the fleet, so if it can be flown, I can do it. Yeah. Which ostensibly is true, but could also be a pretty good way of hiding the fact that you have to have, um, you know, uh, Cylon blood to pilot a Cylon Raider. We just accept that Starbuck is such a good pilot that she can fly it. It's a good point. It's a good point. Something I hadn't considered before is the, the Raiders. So they're like a machine living thing hybrid mm-hmm. are they are they sentient do they have a conscience like a, a consciousness i don't know if that's properly addressed because like I, when you think about it you know they, they fly around they shoot things you know then they go back to the base stars and they park and then what they just sit in a hangar and just sit there until wait. it's time for the next battle yeah like a horse like a like a horse or yeah. a goat Goats are a little more mobile. <laughs> I've never ridden a goat into battle, but hey, I guess someone probably has. Mm-hmm. Um, ain't nothing in the rule book says you can't. Uh, that's fair. Um, There's no rule that says dogs can't play basketball. Well, and I feel like a goat would have more to say about their own participation in a battle than horses tend to. Mm-hmm. That's that's that feels true. Sharon <laughs> seems to imply. I'd have to watch that scene again, but she says something that. And, you know, obviously she's being whatever. I'm not saying that her word is is gospel there. But she says something that seems to imply there's some there's something that is able to, like, feel and understand its yeah. communion with the I was going to say the pilot, but they're not typically piloted. So, no, they, they are the pilot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it like a horse. I guess that makes sense. Like the, the hangar bay is like the stable. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably not like they're probably sentient in the sense that like a horse is where it has you know a conscience uh, a consciousness and and it's alive but like it's also not like a higher intelligence horses are 
have you never read Black Beauty? Rich interior. In no, I'm sure. Life. I'm sure. But but I guess what I'm saying is that like, you know, if you were to put a human, if you were to treat a human like a horse, we'd be like, I'm fucking <laughs> bored in here, bro. Get me out of the stable. Mm-hmm. And so so these these uh, raiders are probably more like horses and less like people. Caleb seems to have. So Tyrell says, because uh, Boomer walks up, says, I guess you're having problems. It says, I, I just can't get this thing to work. I've been over and over and I, I, I uh, nothing. I have no idea how Starbuck got this thing to move, much less fly. Uh, and of course, in the uh, in the script notes, she's stroking it seductively. Uh, <laughs> does it say seductively? Re- yes, it okay. does say seductively. Appropriate. Uh, she says it's not really a thing, you know. It's probably a sidle in itself, more of an animal maybe than the human models. Maybe they genetically designed it to perform a task, to be a fighter. You can't treat it like a thing and expect it to respond. You have to treat it like a pet. But at least that's my guess. Like, tries <laughs> yeah. to, Whatever, it's just a suggestion. I don't know. She it's kind of stupid. realizes it's that, like, really dumb. that. That's the moment that like she kind of steps away and takes her hands off because she realizes she's basically been like about thirty <laughs> seconds uh, away from making out with it. I feel like that has some very very interesting potential uh, ramifications down the road for like like larger questions about Cylon sentience and like you know if if their people. And they're sending these other potentially sentient uh, hybrid beings out to do the fighting for them. Like, uh, are there larger uh, ethical questions there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It also makes me wonder how sentient the centurions are. You know, do they have uh, a consciousness, or are they just programmed machines? Do we? We, uh, we don't even know at this point. Like, did the centurions design the the human models, or like? How they even came about? That's a good point. Where did the human models come from? I think from God. They, oh. they disappear from for like six is God. They disappear for like forty years uh, as centurions, and they come back as sleeker-looking centurions, <laughs> but then also human models. So there's a. I feel hmm. like this raises more questions than it answers. It does. And with that. We thank you again for listening to another episode of Set Condition 1. And uh, if you like what you hear, again, uh, give us a subscribe uh, wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. And uh, tune in every week for a new episode as we continue to explore this, uh, this series one by one. And uh, with that, we're going to jump away to a, a safe location. So spool up the FTL drives, and we'll see you on the other side next week. So say, so we, say all. we all. So say we all. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.